You're now listening to episode 110 from The Shed Ends with myself, Theo, and obviously the other Theo. How are you doing? Yeah, not too bad. Um, I think I mentioned it last time, but still struggling a bit with a cold, um, blocked nose and blocked left ear, actually. So I need to find a way to unblock those, both those parts of my body. Um, but one day closer to the Christmas break, which I'm really looking forward to. It's been a very busy November, December period. So a much needed break is 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 very much needed at the moment. Um, looking forward to the weekend. Um, I know it's uh, Christmas Eve on Sunday, but we've got a game to look forward to, and maybe a bit more optimism following um, Tuesday's win or penalty shootout win against um, Newcastle, where in fact I felt we dominated that game. Um, yep. So yeah, um, looking. F- I want to say looking forward to the game on uh, against Wolves, but it might ruin my Christmas. Should we not um, get a win or even a result? So yeah, how are you doing? Yeah, just just being in Wolverhampton on Christmas Eve is probably a, a reason. Yeah, to, I mean, no, no disrespect to anyone from Wolverhampton, but no, I'm good. I'm good. Um, yeah, you like you, you know, definitely on wind down. The countdown has begun. I'm ready for Christmas. I'm ready for the turkey. I'm ready for the beers. I'm ready for the brandy, the whiskey, any other alcohol that's out there. Um, and yeah, just looking forward to just switching off from sort of reality a little bit and just focusing on the football. So definitely looking forward to it. I'm ready for it, like you. Um, before we get into the episode, please subscribe to the channel. If you haven't done so on YouTube, make sure you like the video as well before you leave the video and also hit the link tree link in the description that takes to all the social accounts, all the podcast episodes as well. So we appreciate everyone that's doing that so far. Um, let's go back to Tuesday night, Stamford Bridge, very cold. It's very wet as well at some parts of the, the game, but let's go back to, um, the Carabao Cup quarterfinal against Newcastle ended 1-1, um, a victory on penalties in the end, but Let's go back. I want to start at the very start again, as as we always do with the lineup. Um, we both predicted in our in our lineups um, before kickoff was you know Malagusto would start, maybe Ian Matson would start at left back. But again, we didn't see that. We got to see uh, Axel Dazazi and um, Levi Cowell hold those fullback positions. It, I mean, that kind of came as a surprise to me because obviously we watched in the other games that that hasn't really been effective. But to see it again against Newcastle, who we know can be deadly on the attack. Which is surprised to see Potticino go with that. Very surprised. Um, particularly when Malagusto did come on, maybe he's still um kind of coming back to full fitness, but he did look really lively. He looked really, really lively at um at left back and then he got switched to right back once Matson came on. Um but for me, maybe because I was sat in the lower east, I really saw it, particularly in that second half when um Malagusto was running in front of me. But he just doesn't look like a right back. He's not a right back, in fact. He doesn't he looks very apprehensive to really go up forward in the pitch every time he's, he's getting an option to cross the ball he just always opts for the pass sideways mm. or kind of backwards and he always seems to want to slot back into his more natural defensive position you know in his own half so he's not a right back whereas when Malagusto came on and what we've seen of Reese James and Chilwell they're the kind of full backs that just bomb into the penalty box mm. blast balls into the box and hopefully it finds the head of Brozier, Jackson or whoever else um, but yeah, it was frustrating to see the Sassi play once more at right back. And what mm-hmm. frustrates me even more is you know that um, actually possibly now that is fit, you, you'd expect him to start against Wolves, but I wouldn't be completely surprised if the Sassi starts there again at Molyneux on Sunday. Mm. Yeah, I was I was like you, I was surprised. You know, I think, like I said before the game, you know, I was, I was questioning Anthony Gordon, um, you know, on that left side for Newcastle, uh, Almiron on the right side. And I was thinking, ideally, you know, you need to have fullbacks in those occupying those positions because you know anti albeit he came off Anthony Gordon injured but you know he can be dangerous in those areas as well at the pitch and Armour on the same you know Callum Wilson I, it just didn't make any sense to me and I agree with you you know when I, especially in the first half I was very frustrated to see 
know, the, the ball being passed left to right, back to, to Petrovic. Um, just no real desire to get that ball forward. And when Tassasi does get the ball forward, I mean, I don't want to criticise him because I don't expect him to do this, but the crosses into the box weren't the best. You know, and I think when, you, when you're expected to get balls into the box, albeit because there's only one person in the box, it's normally, I don't know, Cole Palmer or whoever it is in the box, that ball has to be almost perfect, I think, sometimes. Especially when you're playing a team like Newcastle who sit back a lot of the time, or they did against us on Tuesday. Um, it's just, yeah, it's just difficult to to break them down. And I thought we we, we shot ourselves in the foot by playing Colwell and Dazazi. I mean, you've got two natural fullbacks on the bench who you ultimately have to bring on anyway because of the tactical reasons and just because it's not working. Just start them because, you know, you could have been talking about a totally different 45 minutes in the first half had they been on the pitch for me. But it's... um. It's something I think Potticino needs to learn. He might not learn, but he needs to adapt a lot quicker in, in, in the way that he, he wants to approach games because we've seen it time and time again now that Tassasi clearly isn't, you know, he was, I'm not saying he was at fault for the goal, but, you know, look at Badia Shield for that goal. I mean, it was just a catalogue of errors on the counter attack from Newcastle. Um, I mean, Badia Shield has to do better there, surely, in, in, that, in, that, in that space. Yeah, it was a frustrating mistake, particularly so early in the game when you, you're trying to control the game, you're trying to set the tempo. Um, and then we kind of were in control beyond that. Gallagher hit the crossbar yeah. I think, a couple of minutes before that occasion. Um, but I think it's a poor pass from Colwell to Caicedo to start off. But then somehow Silva and Badish will get themselves in positions where Chelsea fans feel like, okay, we're gonna we're gonna clear the ball. We're gonna it's gonna go back to Betrovic. It's gonna get booted across the pitch. But, but no, somehow Badish um, doesn't get his footing right, and Cole and Callum Wilson managed to sneak in front of him, get the ball, and it's an easy finish um, in the back of the net. And then as Chelsea fans are in the stadiums thinking, oh shit, here we go again. Another game where we were so confident before the match. We felt like we could get a result. We were calling it one of our most important games of the season ahead of kickoff. And then we found ourselves 1-0 down um, where for what was probably about 99.9% of the game almost, um, mm-hmm. given you know, the Madrid equaliser just came in the final minute. So, um, so yeah, really frustrating for Badger Shield. Credit to him. He put a tweet up or an Instagram post kind of owning up to the mistake and saying, fortunately, it didn't have a um you know, it affect the results in the end. But he needs to learn from that. We have to remember he's still very young. I still think there's a very good centre back in there. Um, he's tall, he's strong, and we haven't really had many defenders of that kind of physical stature recently. Um, there's also um, moves linking him to um, to Lyon, which I'm not too keen on. I rather he stays at Chelsea, particularly when we don't really have all our centre backs available at the moment. Silver's future is still a doubt. For Farnes out injured for the season, we need him at the club. I- you just know that if we were to sell Bradishil or learn him out to Lyon, Bowley would want to dip into the market again and bring another centre back for you know. So I think he should stay. But yeah, very young, kind of foolish mistake. But hopefully he learns from that and picks himself up. Yeah, twenty-two. I mean, he's still got a long, long, long time ahead of himself to, you know, develop and mature as a defender. And I agree with you. You know, I think at those moments you do expect both either Silva or Bradishil to deal with that ball. Um, lapse of concentration. I think he was one of those players as well that wasn't very well before kickoff alongside Enzo Fernandez and I, I I do I do question sometimes if you're not you know physically well like in terms of you're just not physically able to play 90 minutes of football um maybe not start the game you know don't start we had again we had options on the bench where we could have used Malagusto as the right back and maybe brought Desazi in to play alongside Thiago Silva that probably would have been a better call for me or vice versa Levi Cowell Ian Matson plays on the left on uh, as, a, as a left back you know we have we have got options but I do agree with you that you know for me, Badishaw has to stay in this team. 
Um, I've said it before and I'll still say, I think he he looks like the most comfortable centre-back that we've got alongside Thiago Silva at the moment. I do like Dezazi, but I, I, you know we haven't really seen him as much in his natural centre-back position. And we also haven't seen Levi Kowal do that as well. So I think looking at how Badishil's slotted into that team, for me, he has to stay. Um, I know that there's talk with, um, I think it's Roma, to to uh, who've opened initial talks of Trevor Chalabar, so you'd expect him to go in January. It leaves us another centre back short, so I think he's got to stay. I don't think I, I can't see any any logical world as you just said for Farnes out as well, where we would need to sell or get rid of Badi Shaw. Yeah, I think it's just rumours for now. Like him, I'm going to move back to Liga, but I doubt will Pochettino will want to let a player like him go in the, in January or even the summer. Mm, yeah, we'll have to keep a close eye on that one. But let's. Let, I want to talk about um, Conor Gallagher as well, who I thought was man of the match, was someone who I've, I've criticised a lot on here. You know, I've, I've said that at times, you know, warranted the criticism, but I do think, and I've said it this season, so I can hold my hands up for this part, was that he's definitely been our best, one of our best players this season, if not the, the best player. Um, definitely in a man of the match performance um, on Tuesday night. We spoke about it in the last episode, but it just seems crazy to sell someone who clearly at the moment is playing as the best player at Chelsea to get rid of him during this period when we're transitioning the team and we're trying to find out the you know the identity and the structure of how we want to play going forward. He might actually be pivotal, like pivotal crucial to that part of, of how we want to play going forward. So just give me your thoughts on Conor Gallagher's performance and how well he played in your opinion. He was brilliant. Worthy man of the match, in my opinion. Um, really wore the captain's armband and you could tell he was the leader on the pitch um, alongside Thiago Silva and the fans absolutely adore, adore him, chanting his name uh, constantly. Uh, he really seems to know what it means to represent Chelsea, which I think is one of our biggest kind of issues in the last couple of years. Players that don't really understand the identity or the prestige of the club, but he knows what it means to play for Chelsea, having worked, been at the club since the age of eight. Um, and after that performance, it almost seems foolish to let him go. It really does seem foolish. I know we've got Guchukwu and Lavia, but they're still very raw. Mm. They're still very unproven. Um, I don't understand in what, what kind of world would we let a player like him go. And I mentioned on the last part, if the season was to end today, it'd be a toss of a coin between him and Carl Palmer to be our player of the season, I'd say. And the fact we're gonna we're thinking of selling our potential player of the season and captain and one of our outstanding players just doesn't really sit right with me. And it seems a bit weird. And you just know as well that Pochettino, if he's playing every single game, he'll want to keep him as well. Mm. So again, it goes back to what we said in the previous episode, is that kind of that mismatch of communication of strategy between the ownership and the manager as well. But I think he needs to stay. He needs to be rewarded for his hard work with a new contract as well. He's not on the biggest money as well, I believe. I know we're trying to cap our our salary, like you mentioned in the previous episode, at 150 a week. But I think if we can easily double the 80 or potentially 60 that he's currently on to maybe 120, 130, especially if you're the captain, I think that's um, something that he would potentially deserve. I agree with you. I do. I, I, like I said last week, or even this week when we recorded, you know, I don't think he's the the finished article for us. I don't think he's the one that's going to lead us to glory. But as I keep saying, you know, we we are mid table. We we are a mid table team, and he is a mid table, but a very good mid table player. You guys are clearly showing it. You know, he's he's proven that he's 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 carrying this team at times on his back. Um, I, I just I just think it would be silly to, to to sell him at this precise moment without having someone that we know can come in and fill that void. Um, people will say, you know, we can maybe put Nkunku in that role or whoever. Conor Gallagher's doing the job at the moment. And I think we need to, as you said, respect that. You know, it's a, it's, um, 
He's, he's faced a lot of criticism as his time, you know, throughout Chelsea before for, before this. He's played well on loan. You know, you think about his loan his loan spells; they were really good as well. So, you know, I, I just think let's keep him for the season at least. Let's assess him at the end of that season. Let's see if some of these players that we were expected to come in, you know, the Laviers and Kunkus and whoever else to come in, and let's see what they can do before we make that decision of getting rid of him for maybe a cop price as well, due to the the length of his contract that he's got left. So. I, I don't see in any world where we sell him uh, in January yeah. or even in the summer. Yeah, and the one game where he was suspended this season, um, we got his two yellows against Brighton. He missed the game against Old Trafford. Yep. And that's probably why we were so poor and we really struggled at Old yep. Trafford. We call it one of our worst performances of the season or even having watched it as a Chelsea fan. And that was the lack of kind of energy that Gallagher brings. He's like a Duracell buddy sometimes on that pitch. With the, He's relentless and clearly Southgate also rates him. He's always in the England setup as well. And he started a fair few games recently. So I think he'd be one of the first names to be considered as well yeah. um, to go to the plane to Germany in the Euros um, next summer. Yep, yep. I, 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 can't, I can't disagree with that at all. Um, Enzo Fernandez, another player that now seems to be on the injury list. It's been, it has been played down quite a lot by Maurizio Pochettino in, in the press conferences after the game. Um, he's just put it down to sickness and he didn't feel well. Uh, before kickoff, but there has been a lot of reports and rumours after the game that this is a, a, a sort of chronic injury um, that Enzo has in terms of, I think it might be a hernia or some sort of groin injury that might keep him out for a, a considerable period of time now. Um, obviously came off the pitch crying in tears against Newcastle. So uh, is that a worry for us in terms of losing someone like Enzo, who for me hasn't lived up to the expectations of what we brought him in to do, but he does offer us something going forward in, in, in games. Yeah, no, I'd agree. I think him and Caicedo still need to prove um, Chelsea fans and kind of live up to the expectation and the price tag that they were mm. bought in for. Um, but I still think there's a fantastic player in there. We have to remember he's a World Cup winner. He's, he looks very successful as well. Uh, quite mature for his age, I feel. But, um, but yeah, this, this kind of chronic or recurring injury that keeps coming back. I think you mentioned it offline, a hernia potentially. He needs to get that checked because I know that hernias are something that requires surgery. I had yep. one as a kid um, and I needed to go into surgery, especially if it's an inguinal um, canal part of your body right above your groin. Um, it can really affect your movement as a footballer, your how comfortable you feel when you're running, when you squat, when you bend. Um, so you'd really hope he gets that looked at. Uh, and he looked clearly in discomfort. I don't know if it was emotionally or physically after the game, if he was crying um, when he was on the pitch. Uh but yeah, you would expect him to be in the, in the squad against Wolves. Um, and hopefully Pochettino provides more clarity and a bit more of an update in his press conference um, tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's hope it's not too serious. Now, let's talk about Nkunku, who returns back in the team finally. Um, there was a lot of cheers before he came on whilst he was warming up um, at Stamford Bridge. So, you know, it was good to see him back in the team. Um, I do have to say the short sleeve and gloves doesn't do for me. Uh, I never, I never understood that as a, as a footballer why you'd wear short sleeves and gloves, but whatever. Um, and Kunku coming back into the team almost gave us a new lease of life immediately. Um, very unlucky with I think the pass from Sterling that was. I'll give you know Sterling no credit for that. That was a bad ball to Kunku, but it looked like Kunku is a bit more lively and going forward something we've been missing in our attack. Definitely, I have to agree about the short sleeves and gloves. Never a look that I've been a fan of, particularly when Anthony Martial would, would don it and never yeah. really kind of in those performances in Manchester United. But yeah, no, and Kuku looked really lively. Um, the fans absolutely loved it when he came on. Big, Really big cheer, probably one of the biggest cheers I've had at Stamford Bridge for a player coming on in a very long time. And uh, everybody had the cameras out to so make sure they filmed his kind of a, um, 
him coming onto the pitch. I thought his cameo performance was good. He looked very lively. He, we know that's not obviously the best he can offer. I think there was one mishit pass um, that went in for a, for a throw-in and he looked quite embarrassed by that. But other than that, I thought he, would be, he did well. Uh, we, we have to remember we have to manage his minutes. We can't expect him to hit the ground running from the off. Uh, you could tell that he was, he was hungry to kind of get his goal on his debut at Stanford Bridge. But I'm sure that will come in due course. And a player, again, I'd expect to play some minutes, whether he starts or whether he gets more than the 20 minutes he got against Newcastle at Molyneux on Sunday. Uh, and I have to talk about his penalty. That was a class penalty. Really, I mean, every single one of our penalties was really well taken. I was a bit nervous before the shootout. I even looked at my mate and said, I don't think we're winning this. We don't have experience in the penalty takers. We didn't have Enzo Fernandez on the pitch. We didn't have, um, I think, um, the fullbacks, which I mentioned on the previous episode, Reese James and Chilwell, you often take penalties. They weren't there either. Sterling had gone off by then as well. Sterling had gone off. I think Brozier was the fifth one to take it, take one, but he didn't have to. Um, But yeah, some really class penalties. And I think Nkuku and maybe Gallagher's were the pick of the bunch in the top bins. Uh, It's a really class penalty. And the player that I can tell is just hungry to succeed and get goals. And I really feel like the best is still to come with Nkuku. Yeah, Uh, I I agree. I agree. I think he's... um... He was definitely eager on, on Tuesday to get a goal. And he was he, one of the things was watching him, you know, he's picking up the right run, you know, making the right runs, picking up the right areas of space um, in and between the defenders. And I thought that was something we've missed in terms of just that attacking threat going forward. I'm not saying that we don't, you know, attack or we don't create our chances because we do and we have done. But I think against a team like Newcastle, especially that latter part of the game where they were just, they were tiring, they were sitting back, they were dropping into their own box a lot more. You know, it's obviously going to prove a lot more difficult to break that down, but Nkuku was still trying and I thought that was something that was positive to take from that. But the penalties were were exceptional. I think um, a bit like you, he was very nervous before they were being taken um, obviously the idiot that ran on I think as well there was an idiot fan that ran on onto the pitch as well um, it just seemed like it was destined for us not to win after that I, I thought we've got the goal from Mudrick idiot fan comes on we're destined to lose this game now but we didn't we went on to and like you said you know Conor Gallagher's penalty Cole Palmer's penalty was brilliant as well I, thought, I was very nervous for him because I feel like people expected him to score that penalty because of how many he scored so far for us but he he just didn't look comfortable taking it. And he, when he did, he went on, he'd done his thing. You know, he had a bit of fun with the crowd. Um, but I agree with you and Kunku Gallagher. I thought Petrovic's save as well was brilliant. Um, there's a video, I think, that someone's taken at, at the game. And you can see Cole Palmer telling him which way to go. Obviously, being a left-footed player. It, 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 just, it, was, just, it was perfect. It was good to see the, the game after the, after the match. You know, just one step beyond comes on. The, the noise from the, the, the fans was just brilliant. It was, just, it was a good good night, I think, from what I could see from, from watching it uh, on, on the CV. Yeah, the post kind of celebrations were really class. It's always good when you hear the one step beyond by Madness come on at Stamford Bridge. You know, that's been a big kind of shift from the boys and the performance that would mean a lot to the fans. And yeah, big shout out to George Petrovic, who I thought yeah. was good throughout the game. And that penalty save will do him a world of good. And you could see what it meant to all the Chelsea team when they came and kind of mobbed him at, um, after the save. Uh, so yeah, uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing more of him and uh, credit to all the players who took the penalties and stepped up because not an easy kind of um, uh, penalty, especially in front of the Newcastle end. I was kind of hoping it'd be down at the Matthew Harding, but it was in front of the shed where the, all the new Geordies were there. Every single one of them had the mm. whole shed to themselves. Yeah, But yeah, and now we've got a big, big semi-final to look forward to, a two-leg semi-final against Middlesbrough, which is probably the, I want to say, the easiest draw we could have got out of Liverpool, Fulham, and Middlesbrough, but we can't take anything for granted nowadays with Chelsea. I do know we've got a really good record against them, I believe. I think they haven't scored a 
Gollop. I think I put a tweet up yesterday about this, so I sent it to you. Um, yeah, it's 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 it's, it's going to get broken on the eighth of January. Yeah, so Middlesbrough haven't scored against Chelsea in over seventeen years. Chelsea have won their last nine meetings by an aggregate score of twenty-one to zero. So clearly, we've got the best out of them in the last couple of years. But they're in the semi-finals for a reason. They would have beaten every opposition that they played. They would have, they would see themselves as the underdog and want to get to Wembley. And we've seen it in the past. The likes of Swansea, Bradford, Wigan did it in the FA Cup. These teams sometimes do have a bit of confidence and kind of get the results against the the big teams. So we can't take anything for granted. But that being said over two legs, I'd still expect Chelsea to get to the final. Yeah. I'm just looking at their run into the semi-final. It's been, it's been a nice pleasurable run for them. They had uh, Huddersfield, Bolton, Bradford, Exeter, and obviously Port Vale, uh, most recently in, in the uh, EFL Cup. So, not to take, I mean, you can only beat who's in front of you. And, I did say to someone, um, a Liverpool fan, last night obviously Chelsea Liverpool final now with a question mark it's not it's not a foregone conclusion you know I think we have to still respect Middlesbrough I think they're, they, they are a t- I think they're 13th in the championship so they're not having the best of season as they did last season uh, just missing out on the um, playoffs I think or the yeah, playoff places last season um, but they've, they've, I mean they can still it's not it's not a, an easy ground to go to and I think I said to you after the draw maybe after the game um you know, we need to win con- convincingly and comfortably in that first leg. Like you said, there's no way goal rule, but we need to be able to go into that game, the second leg, very comfortable, almost with the game killed off before we even kick that ball in the second leg. Because I think if there's any sort of nervousness or doubt in that second leg, it, it, that would worry me going into it. Um, but on paper, I said it on, on, on Twitter earlier, you know, on paper, we should be. We should beat them. There's no ifs or buts. We on paper we have to beat Middlesbrough, and and we have got the better side of the the semi-finals, if you want to call it that. Um, I mean, watching Liverpool last night, they were they dismantled West Ham. I mean, West Ham were poor, but they dismantled them. You know, five one. You wouldn't want to play that team in the semi-final, I don't think, because I think they would probably do something similar to us on the the way that we're playing at the moment. So. Yeah, we've got a better look at the draw. Um, we have to beat them over two legs. We, ha- I mean, we do that. We've got a, a trip to Wembley and hopefully the, the chance of silverware. Yeah, it's going to be a tough game. Uh, tough two games against the Middlesbrough. I think first game being played at the Riverside Stadium. Yeah. Second week of January and you'd hope the likes of Nkuku, Lavia potentially are back in the team. Gusto as well yeah. has found his feet and is back into full fitness. And then I believe the second game is later on in January at Stamford Bridge. And like you said, if we can kind of get uh, I want at least two goals um, in the first game, a two-goal margin to be able to take that to Stamford Bridge and then hopefully we can just get a job then there. It's not a given that it would be Liverpool in the final, it could be Fulham, you never know. And they've looked like yep. they picked up some form recently. But given how good Liverpool were yesterday, you'd expect them maybe to dismantle Fulham like they did against West Ham. And uh, we've got a history of playing Liverpool in cup finals uh, in the last couple of years. Yep. And you just know that it might be another nil-nil and a penalty shootout. But if we take the penalties like we did against um, against the Newcastle, then we might stand a chance this time. But still, um, that's looking way into the future. I think the next game we need to focus on is the Middlesbrough games. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think I think we'll take one game at a time and uh, see where we go from there. But it will be interesting. So, um, news that broke this morning around the Super League, UEFA and FIFA, who were wrong uh, to an extent for blocking the um, proposals, I think in, I feel like it was, was it, was it 2021? I think it was 2021, April. I think it was, wasn't it? Yeah. It was, it was around. Yeah. So I think they, they basically were wrong 
uh, a, a European Court of Justice has basically delivered the verdict that was um, held in Luxembourg, I think this morning around the U- European Super League um, company ESLC, um, who've taken legal action against the governing bodies FIFA and UEFA. They've basically ruled that it was wrong and unlawful for them to to uh, block those proposals to try and implement the European Super League. Now, obviously, there's a lot of protests, if anyone remembers about this, you know, in 2021, a lot of boycott, a lot of uproar, a lot of rage. Um, you know, let's keep the Premier League as it is. Let's protect some of the, the, the smaller clubs, maybe the Everton's or the, you know, the Bournemouth's, whoever, those smaller clubs that probably rely on the Premier League. Let's protect them. Um, what's your thoughts now with the proposals now being relaunched again? I watched a video just before we started recording about the format of what it's going to look like, the three-tiered league. Um, it's not going to impact domestic leagues because it's going to be pay- played in a week as well. So they still expect, obviously, you know, English football, Liga, uh, La Liga to still continue. Well, it will obviously take away a lot of time from the top the top tier clubs. But what's your thoughts on the, the Super League? Has it changed from 2021 to now or... Are you not really concerned at the moment? It's frustrating and it's annoying because why I always say why change a format that's worked so well across the years. And that's the same with the Champions League format, which is changing as of next season. Yeah. But obviously it means more games, it means more television rights, it means more money to the people that pocket the money. But I'm also not surprised. We spoke about it a lot offline that this would reemerge in a couple of years and it's still not the end of it. In the likes of the two Spanish ties, Madrid and Barcelona, I think Juventus but still heavily keen to kind of get involved. And in terms of the format, I think it's changed slightly. So I think Fabrizio Romano, Romano put a tweet up um, describing the potential format. So it's going to be 64 teams yep. um, with three divisions being one called star, gold, and blue. I have no idea why those colors or those kind of uh, shades, but um, it's promotions and relegation. So I'm guessing you're in star if you're the best, gold, second best, and the third tier is blue. Yeah, uh, 40 games each season per team seven at home and seven away. So you get a minimum of 14 games, I believe. And it'll be an open competition, whatever that means. Um, two phases, league and playoffs. So I guess if you play your 14 games and you get enough points, you then get into like a playoff phase. So it sounds very like this kind of, um, much we've been following the NBA, they did like an in, in-season kind of playoff competition, yep. which happened in the middle of the season. Final was played in Vegas. Um, and a lot of caused a lot of controversy amongst basketball fans because they were saying this is a t- more games on top of a busy season schedule in the yep. middle of a, in the middle of a busy schedule. Then we still got the regular playoffs at the end of the year. So the Lakers ended up winning it and they celebrated it. And a lot of fans were like, it's shameful that they're celebrating it as much. Mm-hmm. So I think it could kind of be something similar to that, almost like a in-season comp- Champions League competition. But then it does replace the Champions League. But I'm like I said, I'm kind of frustrated and annoyed about this. I'm trying to almost turn a blind eye, but I'm also not surprised at all. Mm. I think I saw somewhere that all the games would be broadcasted live. Yep. Uh, which creates a bit more confusion, but from a football perspective, that's brilliant. So a lot of football fans now are annoyed of how much you know they have to pay for to get the BTs or TNTs with Sky. There's games on Amazon now. There's some, I think La Liga is on, some La Liga games are on ITV. Yep. Um, I think Channel 4 show the England game. So you have to have like a long kind of list of all these streaming platforms or channels to be able to watch football nowadays. But if they're broadcasted live, that's good, I suppose. But I guess it's more trying, you know, every cloud has a silver lining. Um, but still, it's uh, it's going to be frustrating to see it, but also no real shock or surprise. Yeah. I, I read it when I was reading it this morning. All I could think of was the treatment of, and this is maybe from a selfish point of view, but the treatment of Chelsea 
with Roman Abramovich and the sanctions that were imposed, the money that's still locked in a, a, a vault somewhere, two point something billion that hasn't been provided to help Ukraine, which was what the whole purpose of the sanctions were for. And I thought, why would Chelsea fans want to help protect the Premier League? From a selfish point of view, that was my first, my first reaction was, why would the Premier League didn't care about Chelsea? They wanted Chelsea to literally, you know, they, they blamed Abramovich for basically something. They you remember sanctioned the club to the point where, you know, we couldn't buy or sell, couldn't sell tickets, merchandise. Why would you? I, I don't want to. I don't want to help the Premier League. I'll be honest. I, I, I don't know, who cares? I'm not. I'm not with the Super League either. It's not. I'm not with or without the Super League. I just think I wouldn't want to see Chelsea fans protesting as much as they did last time. If you remember, stopping the bus from coming in, Petacek coming off the bus. I don't want to see all that because, you know, when when it was was Chelsea and you know these sanctions were being imposed, the Premier League didn't have a thought about the fans or or. or the players at the time or the manager or the club in itself didn't have any sort of, uh, I suppose, investment of ensuring that the club was still running day to day. Um, for me, that's just, you know, what goes that's around comes around. It, what goes around comes around, you know, and I think the Premier League have deducted 10 points from Everton, but they still haven't investigated Man City or Chelsea to that, to that fact as well. And they've still deducted them 10 points. Um, I, I just feel that the Premier League done this in 1992 I mean, I'm, I'm sounding very hypocritical because at the time, if you go back and listen to when the Super League was announced in 2021, which seems crazy that it was even that long ago, you know, I was dead against it and I still am. But I think you look at how the Premier League, you know, set up the Premier League, it literally is doing what the Super League has done. You know, it's literally taken all the best teams and made a, a, a Premier League, which then impacted League One, League Two, National Leagues, the, the now what's now is the Championship. And it affected all of those financially as well. So, you know, Roman Abramovich is, is still not allowed. In, in I think he he lost his appeal last week. Um, his his EU sanctions appeal. They still haven't passed the money over to Ukraine, which was what the whole purpose of making sure that Abramovich was nowhere near Chelsea nearly two years later. So, yeah, I, I I'm not with the Super League at all. I think it's it's a crazy format like you say, might take over the Champions League. But in terms of protecting the Premier League, I, I'll, I'll be honest, I couldn't give a shit anymore. I, I don't care. We went through some crazy times during those periods without knowing if the club was going to survive. You know, Thomas Tuchel joking about having to drive the players to, you know, to do a game himself. and you know, Not having games postponed because of all the COVID, COVID. And cases we had. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't give a shit about the Premier League. I, I, if, if Chelsea want to join it, and it benefits Chelsea, which I think Chelsea will. I think Todd Bowley, we've seen he's a, a money guy. He wants to financially profit any way he can from the club. He'll probably want to join it. Um, or the the group that was led by Todd, Todd Bowley. Um, then so be it. But I, I think it's something that will be out of our hands because as it's clearly if Mauricio Partaccino isn't getting across to this board, I don't think the fans will. I really don't. So we'll have to wait and see how that happens. I think I have read that as a couple of clubs. I think Porto, Oh, a couple of other teams within Europe have already said they are happy to join the Super League. So, we'll Valencia put a put a tweet up saying they're against this and okay. they won't be joining. So, yep. a few I think historic clubs are also against the idea, whereas maybe yep. a few others will kind of be for it. Yep. Uh, but I actually agree with that. Um, so very very well said. And um, someone right now is in the transition of changing jobs, um, and a lot of advice I was given by friends and family is in the workplace you have to be selfish. 
you have to think about yourself. You have to think about your salary. You have to think about what's next best for you in your kind of career progression. Yeah. I think football clubs maybe have to do the same nowadays. Yeah. They have to be selfish. They have to think about themselves. They have to think about if these other clubs are going to join, maybe they need to be involved and kind of, if it's going to be the next big thing, then they should also be involved. And the Premier League weren't there for us when we needed them. So why should we be there for them when they need us now? Mm. I don't know the ins and outs of the Super League, so I need to read up on it completely fully yeah. before I give a, a more detailed <laughs> assessment. But on the, the the grand scheme of things, as in, as I know it as, as, as of now, you know, it is... Who gives a shit about the Premier League? Uh, that's the the stance I'm taking on it. But I will read upon it, and we'll probably have to talk about that in the new year to see how that develops um, and materializes. Now, you did mention Wolves Christmas Eve. I think it's is, is it one o'clock, half twelve kickoff? It's something crazy. It's like a two two p.m. one p.m. one one p.m. I think yeah. p.m. kickoff, which is crazy to think about. You know, fans traveling to Wolverhampton of all places, Wolverhampton. Um, yeah, it, it, it just sounds crazy to me. But we've got a game um, that we have to win. I think off the back of the Carabao Cup performance, I'm thinking about Nkunku coming into this team now and, and showing what he can do. Um, what's your expectation playing Wolves Christmas Eve? It could make or break Christmas days across the country if you're a Chelsea fan, but what's your thoughts going into that game? Firstly, I think it's still a bit crazy that we're playing a game on Christmas Eve for the fans, yeah. the players. A lot of, um, I think I mentioned this on a previous recording, but a lot of the European players, the French players, and some even some of the Argentinian ones, the Spaniards, they all celebrate Christmas on Christmas Eve with yep. their families rather than Christmas Day. So it's a big day for them. Yet they're going to have to wake up at the crack of dawn, get to Wolverhampton, probably train the day before, and only get back late at night to be able to celebrate with their families. For the fans as well, crack of dawn, getting to Wolverhampton, getting back to London. It's not like you're playing Crystal Palace or Fulham, you're playing Wolves. It's still going to be a good two and a, two and a half drive to get there. Uh, but there's still football to watch. I'm going to obviously watch it. I'm going to be uh, supporting Chelsea. It's a fixture that I dread, if I'm completely honest. Mm -hmm. I think the two fixtures every season I dread are Everton away and Wolves away, simply because our records there are just aren't great. I think since Wolves have been promoted in 2018, we've only won once at Molyneux, which is when we beat, when we beat them 5-2. Yeah. Uh, well, I think Tamori scored that screamer, Abraham got that hat-trick, yeah. and Mount scored. So yeah, not the best of records at Molyneux. We lost there last year when they were playing dismal football and we still managed to lose 1-0, I think it was. Cunha Nunez, who scored a brilliant goal. Nunez. Yeah, Nunez. Yeah. It was a volley, wasn't it? So I wouldn't be surprised if somehow they managed to get a, a win with a, a Juan goal or something like that. Uh, but on form and on paper, it's a game we should be winning. I keep saying this, same um, that I did against Sheffield and against Everton, actually. Uh, I, I watched um, Wolves play against Fulham. I went to Craven Cottage. And they were poor. They were really, really poor. Um, they just couldn't really link their midfield with their strikers. They were losing possession a lot better, a lot more. And Fulham just got the best out of them. And they looked very sloppy, giving away penalties as well. It's a game that we should be winning. Um, that being said, I'm still not overly optimistic and confident that we might snap something. I think it really depends if Pochettino really opts for the fullbacks playing up, the natural fullbacks being at fullback. I think Augusto plays, he looked really bright and sharp when he did come on. And I think he needs to play. I'll even play Matson for this one and go for a, maybe a, a Bayashin and Silver partnership or even Colwell and Silver, a Silver partnership. Mm. But I want to see the fullbacks play in their natural positions and I want to be able to see those fullbacks also provide service for the Brogers, the Jacksons and hopefully Nkuku when he's on the pitch as well. Mm. Yeah, it's... it's it's um, Now you mentioned the the sort of history between the two clubs at Molyneux. Yeah, it does worry me. I wasn't so worried before I, I checked, but yeah, it um, doesn't... 
it's not good reading at all. Um, I'm still confident. I'm still confident. I've watched, I'd say, a handful of Wolves games this season and they don't strike me as a team. <laughs> Someone's going to clip this probably and, and use it after the game, but they don't strike me as a, a team that will score, you know, six or seven, you know, even five goals against us. But it, it, it can happen. You know, this is the unfortunate times as a Chelsea fan that we're so unpredictable that, you know, we might play really well, but then we might lose three or four. So you just don't know. Um, I agree with you a hundred percent, you know, the fullbacks is something that's so key. And I think we've seen it now in so many games where it works at times when you've got someone like Dezazi or you've got Cowell playing as a left back or a right back, but it, it really hampers what you can do going forward and limits what we do going forward in those critical areas of the pitch. I think we have to see Gusto. I, I, we have to see Ian Matson. I'm not saying that I would play him if I had a choice. I don't think we have a choice at the moment. He's already recognised left back really at the club. That's fit. So he has to play this game. Um, obviously Enzo will probably miss out. And there was there was something interesting because Enzo was playing further up the field against um, Newcastle. It seemed like Gallagher was playing alongside Caicedo a lot more before the injury happened. So maybe Conor Gallagher stays in that role and sits alongside um, Moises Caicedo alongside each other in the pivot. And then maybe you start thinking about bringing someone like Nkunku into that role a bit forward in that game. Um, he looked good. And I, I, we've said it now, you know, he needed minutes maybe against Sheffield. He needed minutes against Newcastle. He's got them. I would probably start him in this game, Nkunku. And I would probably look to bring him off after 60 minutes or so and give him a rest. Um, there's a, a game almost after Christmas, you know. Um, I, I don't think, I mean, we played Tuesday. I'd assume we train Wednesday, Thursday. And I'm trying to think when Christmas Eve is. My days are all mixed up. They're all rolling towards the Christmas Eve is Sunday. So I think they will travel up on Saturday. So they won't probably, they'll probably have a very light training session Saturday. It doesn't really give much time for Nkunku to get many more training sessions in. But I think he's got, he's got 60 minutes in him. And I'd give him 60 yeah. minutes and I'd let him play those 60 minutes and then bring him off. And maybe you bring on, you know, Brozier to sit behind him. Maybe you bring on someone else that can, can sit behind, you know, Brozier or Jackson. Yeah, and also I think Colwell got subbed off. I don't know if it was tactical or um, maybe yeah. he picked up an injury or a knock, but he got subbed off at half time. So I'm just unsure if he'll be fit enough to start left back or centre back. Um, same, I mean, Mudrick, I'm really still not his biggest fan at all, but he got his goal. Yeah, He'll probably have a lot of confidence now. Um, does Poch decide to op- go with Mudrick and start him? Mm-hmm. I think he did score back to back in October when he played uh, Fulham and Arsenal. Yeah. I remember if those games were back to back, but um, that's possibly an option you go for. Yeah. So yeah, there's a couple of things um, that Pochettino needs to decide. I still feel like we need a bit more clarity on who's injured, who's fit, who's got on, how many minutes do Gusto and Nkuku have in them, and hopefully Poch can provide those tomorrow. Yeah, it's uh, it's difficult because obviously normally we record on a Friday, so we'd normally have some sort of insight as to who might play, who might not. But yeah, we'll we'll wait to see who um is confirmed as um fit or not fit and then we'll probably put our, our lineups out tomorrow afternoon after the, the press conference so keep an eye on the socials for, for that as well um, but the, the moment of truth I don't even want to do predictions because I don't I don't. we need to know who's fit enough to, to start the game before we can do that but the big part of the podcast this week Theo is going to be under pressure to get 100% of these right to be fair I don't know all these I, I went through them before and I struggled with some of them because they are very difficult. If anyone who's listening on the audio, we are going to do a quiz. 
and we're going to do a, a Chelsea. It's all Chelsea related. We're doing this because it's Christmas, because we, we've had a, a shit 18 months as Chelsea fans, nearly two years as Chelsea fans. It's not been the best. So I thought, why not do a quiz at the end of the year? And if you're listening, get your pen and papers ready and we can all do it together. Say, I've got all the answers, but we'll all do it together. Should we play Who Wants to Be a Millionaire music yeah, in the background? Yeah, we should. We'll probably, get, we'll probably get our podcast taken off. But yeah, it's imagine it in your head. The lights have dimmed down. When we're ready to go, there are quite a few questions, so I won't. Don't necessarily have to do all of them, um, but we'll, we'll start with. We'll start with. I think a relatively easy one. Um, so, are you ready for this one? You ready? Yeah, I've dimmed yeah. the lights. Yeah, I know. I literally looked at my iPad and looked up for what is he dimmed the lights? So, yeah. Okay. Uh, right. So it's the first one. So on nineteen ninety seven, the ninth of April, Chelsea played Coventry at Highfield Road. Why did Chelsea have to borrow Coventry's away kit for the game? There are multiple options here, so if you want them, you yeah, can. I think um, you can have them. I think I remember this. I remember like Zola was in that team. I think the, either the kits matched each other, or the kit man had forgotten them and only packed oh, the other one. We can only take one answer. Uh, I'll go with the kit man forgetting them. Oh. I'm gonna, I'm gonna click that. I know it's wrong, but the correct answer is the ref decided their away kit clashed with Coventry's home kit. Um, yeah, and it was apparently the most unlikely ending. It was going to be 1-1 if Chelsea re- refused to borrow the kits. Uh, they would have had to forfeit the match. don't know how that was fair for Coventry, but according to this data, that is what was true. Relatively easy one again. How many career goals did John Terry score for Chelsea? Again, we've got multiple options on all of these. So if you want them, you can have yeah, them. I'll, I'll, say, I'll say the options for this one. Yeah. So we've got 41, 31, 21 or 11. I'll go with the highest one on that list. 41. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. I think you still hold, surely you must still hold the record of most goal scored. Most of the Premier League. Yeah. yeah. Defender, I think. I think we still have this highest scoring Premier League goalkeeper, um, Premier League centre back, highest scoring Premier League midfielder, and goalkeeper of the most clean sheets in Petr Cech. Yeah, I think we they still hold those three records. I believe. Yeah. Okay. Next one. So it says here, Chelsea played in the Arctic Circle in a European match in 1997. Who were their opponents? Now you've got again multiple options. I didn't. I, I was shocked at this one. I, I did look at this one this morning. And I was shocked. This is crazy. These, these questions are that easy. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll take so. Is that is that's the North Pole? So I'm guessing there's. I think there's a Norwegian team that play there, Tromso. Uh, but I'll take the options. So we have got Tromso, Viking, uh, FK, <clears throat> Gothenburg, or Malmo. I'll go with Tromso then. That's a really good guess, and it's a really good answer because it's right. Yep. Uh, it says Chelsea lost the away tie after the game was halted twice for snow. Uh, they scored seven at home in the return leg. Interesting. Okay. Oh, this is actually quite difficult. I've not seen it. I've got, I've got multiple choices for this, but I don't know the answer. But I think I do. So it says, which of these Chelsea managers had the highest win percentage at the club? I can give you a clue that Mourinho is not on here. Yeah, I think he really kind of tarnished that record probably of his second stint. Second, second, third season of his second stint. Yeah. Uh, I'll take the options for this one. Okay, so we've got Antonio Conte, Maurizio Sarri, Roberto Di Matteo, or Rafa Benitez. 
I bloody hope that he says it's not up there. Uh, <laughs> was Ancelotti one of the options? No, no, just the four. No, just no, Antonio Conte, uh, Maurizio Sarri, Roberto Di Matteo, or Rafa Benitez. You know what? I think Sarri might be up there. He only stayed a season. He had mm-hmm. a brilliant start up until Christmas, and then he kind of finished the year really well. Then Conte was great as well. Mm. See, I'm not to sway your decision, but I would go with Conte. But I'm, I'm not, I'm not the one on this. The, the... Conte did win thirteen in a row, didn't he? Uh, mm-hmm. ah, let's go, with Conte. Yeah, yep, it's Conte. Yeah, so he had a sixty-five percent win um, of his games in charge, followed by Sari is sixty-two percent, Benitez fifty-eight percent, and Di Matteo fifty-seven percent. So that's not too bad, actually. Um, Okay, this is actually quite a good... Uh, I, I don't know this. So in 2013, former Chelsea player Adrian Mutu was banned from playing for Romania after posting an image on Facebook comparing the national team boss to whom? You might need the multiples for this one. So we've got Derek Trotter, the Incredible Hulk, the Baldy Man or Mr. Bean. I vaguely... I've read this on Twitter... I've read this in a thread somewhere on Twitter. I just can't remember what it is. It's got to be something that's quite insulting to be able to get fans. I think, I think, uh, I think the Incredible Hulk, <laughs> someone could see that as quite a muscular and powerful figure. I, I don't know Derek Trotter, so I, I'm assuming... I don't even, I, uh, Derek Trotter from Only Foods and Horses. I don't even think Ritu yeah. would know who he is. So I'm going to go with Mr. Bean. Ah, okay, I, I would have gone for Mr. Baldy, man, but let's go for Mr. Bean. You're right, you're right, Mr. Bean. Yeah, um... Yeah, he wasn't happy. I do remember reading that. On a, I do remember reading that on a thread. Um, okay, in 2019, why did Gus Hiddink think Chelsea's Champions League semi-final against Barcelona was fixed? In 2019 or 2009? Oh, sorry, 2009. There's a typo here. There's a typo. Don't blame me. Blame the quizmaster who wrote these. Okay. Oof. Well, it was fixed for a lot of reasons, let's be honest. But... <laughs> it could be all... <laughs> I'm just looking, it could be all of these options, but um, I can give you them if you want them. Yeah, I'll say the options. Yeah. yeah. He believed UEFA didn't want a repeat of the previous year's final. Yeah. He, he believed that a psychic had put a hex on his team. He believed the referee had Barca loyalties. He believed UEFA would make more money with Barca in the final. And... Fifth option, all of the above. Yeah, it literally. Yeah. It, could, it could literally be all of those things. Yeah. But I think I did read this and I think it was he didn't want to repeat of the Moscow final between Chelsea and United. So I'm going to go with the first option. Yep, you're right. During the game, Chelsea were denied four penalties with Barca scoring late on to go through on away goals. That still pains me to this day. Uh, I'll have you know. Um, flashbacks of Drogba and Balak getting in the rest face yeah, yeah. yeah right this one is actually up your street this is sort of something you normally get right when we record okay. podcasts so in 2012 Chelsea beat Aston Villa 8-0 how many different players scored that day <laughs> that's a good one yeah so Torres <laughs> Torres got the opener uh, David Luiz scored a free kick mm-hmm. Ivanovic scored so that's three Lampard scored from long range. That's four. Uh, Eden Hazard scored. Mm-hmm. Ramirez scored once or twice. I think Oscar scored. And then Lucas Piazza missed a penalty. 
So seven different goal scorers. So we're going for seven? Yes. Spot on. Yep. Torres, Louise, Ivanovic, uh, Lampard, Ramirez twice, as you said, Oscar and Hazard all got on the score sheet. I told you it was right. I told you it was right. It'll be street. We've got a few more to get through. I think we've got got a second page of them. I didn't realize. Um, yeah, we won't go for all of them. There's loads. I think there's 15 total. Um, trying to pick out some relatively decent ones. Which player moved from Barcelona to Chelsea in 2000? He would spend the last three years of his contract sitting on the bench. I've got no clue here. In the year 2000, I know Romeo went in 2011, 2000. Mm. Was it someone like Del Horno or something like that? So we've got yeah. Emerson Thom. I hope I pronounced this right. I don't remember who played for the club. Mario Melchior, Winston Bogard, our favourite, who gets an honourable mention every now and again on the podcast, and Albert Ferreira. I feel like Bogard and Mel- Melchior didn't sit on the bench for three seasons. Mm. Um, so I'm going to go with the last one. Um, Ferreira? Yeah, let's go with him. No, I think it's... No. I can't actually give you the answer because I've, I've clicked that many incorrect answers. I'm going to go... <laughs> I want to find out who it is. There's only two more options. So, um, wait, is that a trick question? I think we've got a trick question. Right, which one haven't I clicked on? So I haven't clicked on Bogard. Oh, it was Winston Bogard. It was Winston... Yeah, it, it was actually... He's on the bench though. Did he not go on loan? I can't remember. I just remember him being a massive flop in a way. But... I remember him getting flown. Didn't he get? He got, used to get flown back and forth to um, from Holland for training yeah. most days. Um, says he was on around forty thousand pounds a week at the club at the time as well. So he literally warmed the bench for three years and earned forty thousand pounds a week. Very interesting. Uh, okay. 20, we're going to move to 2011, 2012. So which former West Ham and Chelsea players spent the 2011, 2012 so the season on loan at Lille? Joey Cole. There we go. Cole turned out 30 times for the French side, scoring four times for Lille. Um, oh, I love, I love these ones. I played for Chelsea between 2000 and 2006. Spurs in 2010. Stoke in 2010 and Fulham in 2011. Who am I? Chelsea between 2000 and 2006. Spurs, it's not Damien Duff because he played for Newcastle and he never played for Stoke or for Spurs. Steve Sidwell, never, <laughs> Steve Sidwell never played for Spurs. No. Kudicini never played for Fulham or Stoke. Mm-mm. I'm actually, I feel like I'd know it, but I don't, but I don't remember it either. I've got options here if you want them as well. So Yeah, I'll say the options. So yeah. I've got Idega Johnson, Solomon Kalu. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think it's, it's, it's good Johnson, isn't it? I, I think, think so. I think. We've yeah. got Carlton Cole, who I don't remember his stint at Spurs. Yeah. And Jody Morris. No, it's good, Johnson. It's yeah. come back to me now. Yeah. Um, I think he hardly ever played for um, Spurs. Yeah, I don't remember. His Spurs, I don't remember his Spurs stint. No, I think he went. He went to Barcelona between probably Chelsea and Spurs, didn't he? I believe. Uh, it shows how old I'm getting because I do not remember that at all. 
I do not remember. It's pretty sure it is good Johnson, yeah. It is, sorry. Uh, yeah, it is. Yeah. It is good Johnson. <laughs> So I forgot to confirm that one. So in 2009, Luis Saha scored the fastest goal in FA Cup final history. How many seconds were on the clock when the Frenchman put Manchester United 1-0 up? In 2009? In the FA Cup final? Yep. Was it not against Everton when he scored against us? It says Manchester United on here. Yeah. They got it wrong. It was against Everton, wasn't see, it? See, even see, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm reading it off here. It says Manchester United. Yeah. Yeah, right. Um, it was very quick. I remember it was between like zero and 60 seconds. So I'm going to go maybe 38. I'm going to click 30 because that's okay. the nearest one to 38. It's not 38. We've got options here. So we've got 15, okay. 25 or 10 seconds. Now that she they've got the be. now they've got the question wrong, I'm actually doubting if this is even correct anyway, but we'll go, <laughs> we'll go with it for now. Yeah. Let's go with um, 25, maybe. Yeah, 25 seconds. And do you remember who the goals were scored? I mean, just say United on here again. The goals were scored by... Drogba and Lampard. Yep. 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 Someone messed up, though. They still fucked up the... Uh, messed up the, <laughs> the questioning. Let's, let's be honest. Um, ah, I mean, this is an easy one. This is an easy one, I think. Where was Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank born? Okay, it's not easy. <laughs> I don't actually know. I'm saying it's easy, but I'm assuming it. I mean, we've got... He's Dutch, isn't he? Yeah. He's Dutch. The Netherlands so is on maybe. here. The Netherlands is on here, but we also have uh, France and French uh, Guinea, I think it is. Um, just the three of those countries? And no, su- no, four. Uh, su- Suriname as well. Ah, it could be Suriname. Is it Suriname? That's where, I think that's where Maluda's from. Uh I'll just stick with Netherlands. If you're representing the Netherlands, then maybe you'll... You no. 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 Is, is it Suriname? You're right, yeah. 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 Ah, okay, trick question. Right, we'll do, we'll do two more. So yeah. we'll do two more. I'm just going to try and find... I'm going to try and find some, some juicy ones. Um, that's too easy. One of the questions is complete is the line. Blue is the color. Oof, my, my, my mind's gone blank. I'm not too sure about that one. In their 2020 final, FA Cup final against Arsenal, which referee upset Chelsea fans by sending off a Blues player and awarding a penalty again? No, no. <laughs> I'm going to walk out. I'm going to walk out. That's, that's not on the list. You've just made that no, up. No, no, no. This is definitely on the list. We've got Bobby Madley, Michael Oliver. Our friend Anthony Taylor or Lee Mason. This is actually on the list. Uh, <laughs> I thought I'd throw that one in there because I know how much you love the, the, the answer to this question. It's Christmas. You're meant to put me in a good mood, not in a bad mood. Uh, are we gonna, I'll, I'll answer this for you. We're uh, unanimously going to say it's Anthony Taylor. Uh, Lord Voldemort himself. Yeah, yeah, literally. Yeah. Also won the game 2 1 to the cup for the 14th time. Uh, right. Last question. Let's try and get this a good one. Um, oh. I don't know, actually. Which Chelsea player turned manager has taken charge of Brighton? Oh, I do know it. This is so easy. Sunderland. Gus Payet. Yeah, that was an easy one. Okay, last one. Now, this is the bonus one. So, Poyet, how many goals and appearances? Let's just go for goals and appearances, actually. Let's, let's go for goals and appearances for Chelsea. Bonus question. 
I should know this because he's managing the Greek national team now. And I was on his <laughs> Wikipedia the other day. Um, I think he was quite a prolific goal scorer for us, but yeah. I don't want to say it's anything absurd. I'll go with... There's no, multi- there's no multiple choices for this, unfortunately. I'll go with 48 goals and appearances. Is that quite low? Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. 48 and appearances. I don't know how long... How, how many seasons did he stay? Uh, I'll go with... Uh, 110 appearances oh, you're so close so uh, goal, goals was 36 36 goals and 105 appearances I'm not far off I'm not far off at all not at all that was a tough one without the multiples as well but that was interesting that was good there's uh, for anyone who's interested it was on a website called footballtrivia.co.uk they, they have quite a lot of uh, different clubs but obviously Chelsea on there as well um I enjoyed that. That was good. Yeah. I did that. I'll have, to, I'll have to test your knowledge. I know. The next I, know. I, was, I was waiting for you to say that. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, no, it's a good, good little way to win the podcast. Um, as I said at the very start of this, if we, you know, if we, we don't record, which I don't think we will possibly before Christmas, make sure everyone has a good Christmas, a good new year. Don't forget to subscribe and like and share the videos. Um, we appreciate everyone that's following the accounts and, and interacting with the accounts as well. So it's, it's definitely appreciated from the both of us. Let's hope for a win on christmas eve anyone who's traveling make sure you get there and home safely as well uh to, i mean i don't know about where you are for you but the storms are kicking off up here i'm seeing like oh you're looking at the window very calm but up here yeah. it's, i think it's doing about 70 to 80 miles per hour wind at the moment so anyone who's traveling to the game stay safe theo as always have a good christmas as well thank you you too and i'm sure we'll be back in the new year maybe recording throughout that period but there's a lot of alcohol to consume between now and Christmas so we're going to try and do that first before we record again but thank you very much we'll be back soon with another episode and uh, yeah have have a good Christmas